Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Detroit area, yeah. All right, I'm just going to assume Not that this off. is working. Uh, it's, yeah, it's recording. Yeah, it says that it is, so we're all good. Lions. Hey. We're literally looking at your forehead, and that's it. Can you see me now? <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, so we're good to go. I got some questions yep. here. I All got right. some questions that I uh, let's do it. Put down for the interview, and then any ad libbing is a hundred percent encouraged. Anything you want to add, anything at any time, man. Because I'm just a fan, dude, and I just want to talk about the movie. I want to talk about being in film, filmmaking, stuff like that. So, oh, um, appreciate it, man. I think you were the first one to upload a reaction video, period. Yeah, I dug, I dug what you said about us, man. That was very cool of you, bro. That means a lot to me. Dude, I just, uh, I just love movies, dude. And I love comic books, and I love, you know, uh, the whole... Anything combining the two is really exciting to me. So when I saw a movie about a dark horse version of the mask, I was super excited. Like I saw, like I just saw the thumbnail that you guys had up, and I was like, "Oh shit, what is this?" Because it popped up in my feed at random. Like I hadn't heard of the channel yet or anything. I don't know how long the trailer had been out, but it. It just happened to pop up because of my other likes or whatever. And I was like, oh, I got to watch this thing. I watched it and I was like, damn, dude, somebody finally did it. Because I saw that there's been some other uh, fan films of The Mask and stuff like that on, on yeah. YouTube. And um, They're terrible. Yeah, I had never <laughs> I had never watched any, any of them. But when I saw that, I was like, we'll give it a shot. And I watched it. And that was a legitimate, I did a reaction video to the trailer. That was the first thing I did. Right. And um, that, that was a 100% genuine reaction video. I know a lot of people like fake reaction videos and stuff like that, but I, uh, I recorded myself as I watched it for the very first time, and it was something that really excited me. So, I mean, I, I liked your reaction so much, I put it on my Facebook. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even notice that one. Yeah, I did. I put it on my Facebook. I think we uh, we put up on the fan page almost immediately. Cool, yeah. man. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Because, like, yeah, I do reaction videos. Like, that's something new that I've started. I've seen that it's like a, I guess it's a trendy thing to do reaction videos. But I don't do it to everything. Like, I do it to stuff I'm genu genuinely into. Like, comic book movies. Um um avengers yeah yeah avengers there was um uh what was that the oh glass mm -hmm. oh yeah i'm super excited about glass like honestly i like i'm looking at it and it doesn't look as appealing as the first two movies to be honest but it's something that i've like been craving since i saw the end of um split yeah split yeah um so it's actually what what started a lot of this is after uh the uh trailer for um glass came out we had gotten a call from dark horse when we were still partnered with them and uh 
they said that uh, so your trailer is getting more views than glasses. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, and you're you're starting to get the attention in bad ways. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like glasses, like we gotta shut these guys down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Like, yeah, glass. Like it just that whole the 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 first film and that franchise just like there was no comic book movies at the time, not really. Right. Uh, I mean, it wasn't a well, thing. With yet. the exception of like maybe yeah. X Men, yeah. Right, right. And um, I remember seeing that and be like, "Dude, this is a comic book movie. Like, yeah. this is what I've been wanting to see for a long time. Like, all throughout the '90s, I wanted comic book movies. And right. then when X Men came out in 2000, that was a huge, huge deal for me. You know? Yeah, I think for a lot of people too. Um. You know, we, we never went in this with the anticipation of it really being, I would say, a comic book movie. But right. it, it became that during, like, the original writing process. And then it really became that after we started cleaning up the script. Right. Um, because we started moving closer and closer towards the source material. Um, yeah. 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 And then we were just like. Let's let's never really just say the words. It's it's a comic book film, right? But kind of just um, leave it to the uh, the aesthetics of mm. everything to really kind of push that um, that narrative. Plus, if you yeah. see the way it looks, it looks like a comic book. You know, it does. It does. And then obviously, and then you guys um, included the scene at the end where he is defeating the big bad mm -hmm. and. Uh, it is all in comic book panels. Yeah, like I, I thought that was a great touch, man. I thought that was yeah. great, like paying homage to the to the comic book. We well, we were gonna. That do was a dangerous anime, touch. But it was gonna be difficult. <laughs> it was uh, the original thought was an anime, but um, then we went to, because we didn't have we don't have the money to make put so we then we that, we, that would have been cool. Sense. I mean, that would have been a cool a cool way to do it too. Like Tarantino I think because kill, of the fact. Well, yeah. and, well, the original, original concept was that we didn't see him kill him at all. Mm -hmm. And then later in editing, um, we when we had come across a really talented uh, young man. Uh, um, Pedro. I can't. Huh? Pedro. Pedro. Uh, Pedro had done some fan art for us. Mm -hmm. And in fact, our little uh, icon on the uh, on the fan page was done by him. Mm -hmm. And um, basically, we were we were starting the uh, the talks for reshoots, and um, that was one of the first things that came up was uh, what do we do we show McLaurin dying, and we were thinking of going back and shooting that, and then um, basically we just kind of said, well, we have this comic book artist, right. why don't we actually just pay him yeah. pretty much what we would have paid to to reshoot it <laughs> yeah which was was risky but in the end i'm glad the fans really liked it and he's all the way so, in england so have you got another positive feedback on the comic book panel part yes oh yeah no they loved it i think i've seen like one negative comment out so, of like hundreds so literally the, there was no a death scene for that to begin no. with you weren't going no. to show it at all was, it was just going to cut scene to the next I, scene i still remember uh 
on set, I was arguing with Dylan. I said, this isn't, you know, we need to have it. He said, no, 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 we need to have it cut out. And then when we went to the, po and I said, okay, fine, but it's not going to look good. And then when we were doing post-production, I said to him the same thing. I said, there's no justification after all that fight and all that storyline, you know, just to have him just cut out. There has to be something. And then well, he of an anime, he thought of the slides. And then I think the slides was financially more, you know. So is that, um, well, it the, probably would have cost the same amount, honestly, the amount we paid him to do the slides, especially because it was very not rushed. They had very little time to do it. He's all the way in England, too. Yeah. He's, he's a British guy. His name is Pedro, but he's English. So, yeah. but you had already done it once in the film where you did kind of a cutscene, like with the cop car, um, where he approached the cop. Oh, not showing what happened. Well, right. And then it that cut was also right another, to the next scene. That was yeah. another afterthought. So, um, trying to think how far back to go with it. Um, so long story short, we uh, we had a original partnership with Dark Horse, and that's that's no secret. Mm -hmm. And um, then uh, basically due to timing, and we just decided we wanted to put more into the picture. Uh, we decided to release Rise of the Mask instead of um, Revenge, basically because there was a lot of little things that we could get done with uh, Revenge that we knew we could do with more time. Yes. And uh, so we went back and then we said, what can we do with the money that we had? And there was just scenes that we switched out and scenes that we added in. And a lot of that's explained in the behind the scenes video, too. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, like uh, one of them was the police car, um, which basically was added because of the scene where you see um, the mass killing T, um, basically the Vin Diesel bald looking dude. Yeah. And uh, um, we had already had that car, which I'm surprised that not a single fan has noticed this yet. And hopefully they get this from this is that car is actually from the Dukes of Hazard. Um, get out of here. It even says Hazard County on the no. car. And nobody has noticed. <laughs> That's crazy. And it's, it's, someone... and it's in Michigan of all places. Yes. And. <laughs> That's um, and uh, the the gentleman, it, it's the actual car too, which is is awesome. Yeah. But um, so uh, when we were shooting the scene, because um, this has happened to both of us uh, at one point, I I wasn't there, and this is what he means by the the fighting. But the scene is that I had to leave while they were shooting uh, the second half of the warehouse scene, which was pretty much the entire confrontation, because I was very right. ill. And um, yeah. the original way that that was written was that they were pretty much sitting at a table having it out. And, you know, it was a very calm thing. And then everything was supposed to be kind of revealed during the end credits, kind of like they are now. Yeah, yeah. Is that he didn't just stop at killing McLaurin. He ended up killing over 200 people, ended up killing everyone in the organization and all that jazz. Um but then the way that they shot it was way better than I'd written it, which is just, you know, having yeah, McLaurin get into I, his face. When I read the script, it was, you know, having two big-time people, like these are the two main characters, just sitting down and hashing out. To me, it doesn't justify the entire movie as a horror action. 
um, I had to have him duke it out, so to speak, and mm-hmm. add drama to it. And if you saw, you see the shots, how I did it, it was like... Um, well, and it still kept kind of the essence of what I was trying to accomplish writing-wise, which was basically an unstoppable force meeting an unmovable object. Yeah. You know, the guy thinks he's this unstoppable person, you know, right. that he meets the mask, which is actually but, unstoppable. But, what it is, yeah. is if you look at the angles, is the anti-hero meeting the, meeting the, uh, anti- uh, the antagonist. It's kind of, it's, it's hard to describe. He's the anti-hero and he's on the floor and the yeah. antagonist is on top of him. And that's why if you look at the angles, it sort of tells you that storyline. And then in the end, when he talks about the wife, which is the clincher, he stands up and he kills him. Yeah, yeah that, was so, that was it. That was the... Uh... Yeah. But with that, that added momentum to the scene that really wasn't there in the script, basically we realized either we have to go back and actually shoot him dying somehow. It, it would have been in the same fashion. like It would have been yeah. the same clip-like motion, quick and whatnot. Right. But we just thought it would be way better to pay it off to the fans, to mm-hmm. full, go full-on comic book reference. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it, it came on... It, it came... It came across as not only like nostalgic to the comic books, but also just really artistic. Like it, it yeah. was unexpected completely. I wasn't expecting to see any comic strips, right. um, you know, comic book panels scroll across the screen. That was completely mm-hmm. never in a million years would I have thought like, oh, this movie's right. gonna have comic book panels in it. Yeah, it's, it's also sort of an homage to the comic books. Yeah, absolutely. That that's that's what I appreciated about it, and that's what I'm guessing a lot of fans appreciated about it. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, also, just the fact that it was something different, man. Like, yeah, you could have showed another gruesome killing scene. Right. Um, but I don't know. I, I feel like having that be that different. Yeah. I um, And as far as, you know, like earlier with him not, um, what I mean by that uh, being an after that with the cop car scene is that really um, when we were shooting it that night, um, Lance was very ill. Of course, so we both had a time in this film where we were both out of commission at some point. Mm-hmm. And um, when we had this cop car, we were all sitting and talking, and I had called Lance while we were on set saying, we got to add one more scene. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, and so I think it was like, we were like, okay, we can do it tomorrow. Right. Let's just go out in the freezing-ass cold at, you know, right. 8.30 at night and just... Uh, basically steal a scene with that car. Right. Um, and I think the only idea that we had jotted down was that we knew we wanted the mass to get stopped uh, by a cop after killing Nemo and Kyle. Right. Um, but we, uh, we didn't really know what to do with it afterwards. And then Lance was like, let's just go full on dark night <laughs> and show him <laughs> it out of the car. In the, in the tunnel. Yeah. But, I don't think an ounce of that was planned or just um, yeah, authorized. I think that was so, the, the most. So that was an afterthought. Had. That was um, that was like a reshoot, basically. Yeah. That yeah. little, yeah. just that little clip of him. Yep, that's awesome. Yeah, that that was my favorite scene in the entire thing. It is, oh. is that it, that it cut from that to that? Like that was the most the most impactful thing to me. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. It turned yeah. out really good. It turned out really. You know, like I said, uh, Dylan and I and the crew, you know, you have to give credit also to Bobby and Istvan and these guys all yeah. 
we all rolled our sleeves, man, and we there was no egos, and we all wanted to make a great movie, and it it shows for whatever budget we had. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, that's um, cool. Yeah. No, and everybody oh, yeah. was on board from the beginning that stuck through that whole project, and uh, uh, you know, it's rare when you have a movie, especially one like this. You know, we shot what starting in April. Mm-hmm. With uh, two reshoot periods and a, another short film in between with Rise, yeah. and everybody came out hugging and laughing at the end, and that's yeah. rare. <laughs> Plus, you have to understand we, because of certain mistakes in scheduling, you know, like we were restricted a lot. I mean, we're fortunate to have what we had on 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 <laughs> on on screen because there was a lot of hours wasted just setting up, like with Rise. We only had five. That was a five-hour scene. That we shot that in only five hours. Not well. Nine. I would say close to. It was close to nine, mm-hmm. but we, it should have been longer. Um, yeah. Basically, we were scheduled to come in around nine a.m. at that beach. Yeah. And because Ishtavan, our uh, lead DP, um, was coming in from another project the night before, mm-hmm. he didn't tell us pretty much till the night before, and this wasn't really his fault that he wouldn't be able to be on set until at least eleven. Right. And, um, you know, here in Michigan, as you know, the sun goes down quick. Uh, yep. And, you know, so I think the sun was going down, what, at 730? So yeah. we had pretty much, the moment we arrived on set, um, we rushed everybody in, got them on make in makeup. Um, you know, a lot of it was done on Steadicam, you know, uh, not in Latin, like a Ronin, a good old-fashioned Big ass steady cam rig. Uh, Greg Johnson was also a beast on a camera, um, and uh, we had based- we had yeah we had rehearsed for two days in a studio the entire fight sequence, and it was it was supposed to be like a ten minute sequence. Yeah, and ended up chopping it up because of time and tide and wind. No, uh, I um so they were about halfway through the first sequence and uh, and. The whole thing was supposed to be done almost by Steadicam, and um, I had gone to, uh, I think it was after I, I prepped Bobby, they were getting set, the aerial shots were done, they were getting through the first two sequences, and I went out to get food you know, for the crew to pick up Crafty, and when I came back, they were still on the first part of the second sequence, and basically we're like, yeah, we're going to have to trim some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> We trimmed so that, a lot. This this is all for Rise. All this all stuff. For Rise. Yeah. Wow. We trimmed so, half. And this was so Rise was filmed completely after the rest of the film was made, right? Yes. Well, the main film, yes. Yeah, the main film. Right. And then with Rise, and there's like the reshoots, like the the cop car scene and stuff like that. Yeah, but that didn't come until like last month, basically. So oh, wow. we were done after July, basically. We didn't get back together to reshoot anything until. Yeah. Um, late uh, late October. But what you see in Rise is forty percent of what I was going to shoot. So imagine if we had the time, it would have been far more epic than what, what what was on screen. Basically, we needed another day. Yeah, and we knew we also so, had Ishtavan for that oh. one day and most of the crew. So was Rise? Was that just the like? what happened because you had some extra money after making the film like you were able to save enough money or did you pour more money into it to make rise no um, no 
Go ahead. Um, Rise was always planned to be a part of the film, whatever mm-hmm. form it was going to be as a prologue. Um, it was in the original script, uh, the original, original, original script, and then it was cut out. And then I want to say about a month or two before we began principal photography, um, essentially uh, we were sitting in a McDonald's. And the rest of the crew didn't know about it other than some of the points I told to Lance. And I said, if, if we can get some extra money together, we should do this prologue. And, um, and then, you know, me and Lance went back and forth on it. You know, how epic fighting this do we make it? Because in reality, I, I really wanted it to be a homage to um, something that already existed, uh, which was the deleted scene yes that was in the original mask right um and basically saying that this is how the mask made it to america is that uh, it was created here they captured loki at some point uh brought him far away from you know from civilization mm-hmm. or at least they thought right and uh and sucked out his power and put it into a mask but uh basically then uh, the idea came up that uh, it was going to be a fight between two brothers, you know, one who wanted the mask for himself, one who just wanted to end it and finish the curse. And, uh, but um, basically, once we knew what the length of this prologue was going to be, um, it became a decision whether or not it was going to remain as a actual prologue to revenge or be its own thing. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, when we got close to knowing we were going to do the reshoots, basically we just chopped it off of revenge and just kind of let it grow as its own thing, which ultimately became one of the best decisions we made. Yeah. I think it's yeah, it created now. a it created a it, so much more excitement too about mm-hmm. like the actual film. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, I uh I have a bunch of questions here. I love what's oh, yeah, going on here. This is like normally what I do is uh, podcasting, which is like just shooting the shit, which is perfect. Let's shoot the I, shit. I, I actually like this more than just asking questions, but I came up with questions. Sure. Um, just about different things. So we'll get to them and then we can continue doing what we're already doing. Okay. Um, so I will do, I'll do like an intro to this video. I realized that at the beginning I didn't like say anything like hey this is this guy and this guy from this blah blah, blah. i'll add that Rob. in the video that i put up um <coughs> but um first question i had was how long have both of you been involved in filmmaking in general uh you go first lance um i i started making i started as a screenwriter um probably 15 years ago um, and then I slowly graduated into directing, uh, maybe eight, uh, eight years ago. And I've been very fortunate because in this business, it's who, you know, it's not what you know. And I started, um, selling scripts and from selling scripts, which again, it's very rare to directing. And I've made, I think around 10 feature films there. You can find most of them on iTunes and couple of them are on TV one. And then I don't usually do shorts, but when Dylan approached me with this, 
and he said what it's about and you know and it's about the mask and dark horse gave i i think within 60 seconds i said hell yeah this is this is something i i really want to do and i because i love competition and i see what the studios do and i honestly deep inside of me thought we can pull something off that's a masterpiece with whatever but because we have the right people you know we have the right equipment in michigan we're blessed i mean between dylan and this one we are we have a studio studio level equipment right dylan oh, yeah. all we need to do if we rent lenses we're done we can challenge anybody out there in la and that's how deep we are in equipment and once you have the equipment and you have location and you have the creative team you you can accomplish anything i mean dylan has an excellent background in prosthetics and sfx and blood and all that stuff and good storytelling ideas he's and he nobody knows the mask as much as dylan science <laughs> i don't care who i can challenge anybody but Dylan knows about the mask. And this is why he's been with this project for 15 years. He knows it more than anybody, inside and out. So when he approached me with this, and I saw how much passion, and he said, this, I've been trying to do this for 15 years. It's not coming together, and this is the day. This is, you know, can you join me as a director and a producer? I said, I'm in. And that was it. I had connections, he had connections. We pulled up, it's like teamwork. It's, you know, there's no egos. Um, and we pulled it off. And I'm, I love film. I'm, I have contracts with other feature films that I have to pull off. But what's going on right now with this is like, a, I don't think we'll ever reach this. It's going to take a long time for me personally, if I do other feature films, to have this type of viewership or um, uh, this type of, you know, it's like a big tsunami of. It's so interesting too. and all that stuff. Yeah. People look down at YouTube, but. Um, when you're releasing a movie, you know, on DVD or Netflix or whatever, it's such a faceless thing. You don't get to, you don't get to be as connected with your audience or see every day how many people right. are actually watching your stuff. It, it's very interesting. It is. Um, so my story is weird and complicated and long, so I'm going to do an abrased version of it. So I, uh, I started completely by accident. I always loved... Uh, loved movies. I loved television shows. Obsessed with them as a kid. Uh, never thought about doing it. And um, my family, you know, didn't have a lot of money. Um, and my dad owned a trucking company. But uh, that was about the extent of it. And my mother and I grew up, well, I grew up in a recording studio. So I've always been around um, entertainment, you know. And uh, so I wanted to get a job to help uh, my mother out because uh, I was living with her primarily at the time. And I got a job working for Ray Hykus at this place um, in Warren. And uh, he had a little office also in Down River, which was close to where I lived. And so when I was starting working with him, um, he was an ex VFX artist, not VFX, sorry, special effects artist. Um, and uh, he was very depressed because his brother passed away and uh, basically uh, needed someone to clean up the shop floors. So I did. And one day, as a joke, he asked if I could sculpt. And so he gave me something to do and I did it well. And then a year later, we were actually working together on actual projects. And then he reignited his connections with um, a few bigger companies like New Line Cinema and uh, 
that's when we started doing our weekend warrior stuff. So if a team on a film doesn't want to do something, they want money, they end up breaking in a separate team of people to finish it and in special effects. And as many people know, in the special effects world and props and makeup, it is a very harsh, harsh community of people. Um, long story short, we had just wrapped on, um, doing a couple of projects and one of them was um Freddy versus uh Jason and we ended up working wow. together and going to uh Australia to shoot Son of the Mask. And I loved the mask when I was a kid and it was a huge honor for me and when I was on that set everything looked amazing. The the Jim Carrey version of the mask. No, Son of the Mask, the the bad version. No, 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 no. I mean, <clears throat> when you were a kid, you loved the mask. You're talking oh, I, about. Yeah. You know, I was a 90s kid. So growing yeah, up yeah. seeing that movie, um, you know, just was spectacular. The CG, everything about it was revolutionary. <laughs> um, and then uh, the movie came out. And me and Ray had worked on tons of projects by then. And mine and his relationship deteriorated a bit because uh, unbeknownst to me, he had cancer. And uh, he started becoming uh, more unstable. And uh, I ended up leaving the effects world and pretty much took all the money that uh, I had made from doing that and invested in becoming a DP. Because after working on Son of the Mask, I realized um, basically how much I loved seeing what was going on behind the camera as opposed to actually doing my job. Yeah. And um, so I've just been knocking about ever since. I had a studio for seven years, uh, soundstage, and um, you know I just jumped on as many sets, doing whatever you know around town as possible. That's how I met Lance. Is I was a unit production manager on a project that me and him were on together. That was a living hell, and we bonded through that misery. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and that's also how we all met Ishtavan and. Uh, so we've been, we've all known each other and we've been working together for like, you know, on and off for six to seven years now. Mm -hmm. And we've never really had a project to all kind of come together on again. And so ever since I did Son of the Mask for years and years and years and years, I've been telling everybody um, I'm going to do a film one day. And I loved the movies, but I loved the source material even more, the comic books. Mm -hmm. and uh just the idea and duality of you know the characters who wore it that is it you know kind of makes you question is it really a possessing entity or is it insanity manifesting itself mm -hmm. essentially and uh i thought what they did with the original mask was great and the closest thing we got to the source material was dorian but um yeah me and my writing partner, Kyle, have been knocking about on it for centuries. And then one day, a friend of mine passed away who created the prop from the original movie, um, The Mask. And uh, she, when I told her we were going to make the movie, she sent us the Hero A1 copy to make A2 copy to make the masks for our film. Right. And um, that was kind of a wake-up call that... Uh, if I don't make this movie soon, uh, everybody from the original team is going to be dead. Right. So I immediately contacted Lance and me and him had to sit down while we were working on another project. 
And uh, I told him that because uh, I was ill at the time, I didn't want to direct it. I didn't want to DP it. I would like to executive produce it. And those were the only two people on earth that I would trust to do this movie. And uh, that was right before April. And we had two months of pre-production. And here we are. Yeah. Wow. That's a great story, man. Full circle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, um, something. Well, it, it it's like, kind of crazy because you guys tell you told such like informative stories that some of my questions are probably already answered in in the original <laughs> thing. I have I have something. Um, go ahead. My agents and managers in LA initially told me not to do this because it's a short. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sure they're eating those words now. <laughs> so, but now. And Dylan doesn't know this. Uh, actually, you do. Yeah, I do. Because of this project, I am hired to direct a Netflix thing. And because Dylan was kind enough to me, I convinced them to bring in Dylan as my DP. Because of this project? Because of this project. That's amazing, man. Yeah. Uh, That's awesome. Somebody wants us to shoot a pilot for Netflix. Wow, dude. Totally on the wraps. Um, and they had you just announced it to the world, my friend. Well, well they're not going to know what it's about. Um, right. And they had a DP. I said, I, I will not do this. I need to bring in my guy, which is Dylan. And they said, well, he can be the second DP. I said, no, um, he's a really reliable DP because look at the project. And he's also a producer and he could do editing. And he can do special effects. So he can do the DPing, the editing, and special effects three in one. Why go waste all that money? And as soon as they heard that, <laughs> that's awesome. So hopefully it'll come through. I mean, this is it's all in negotiation right now, but they've approved Dylan as a DP, they've approved me as a director. So, yes. I, I hope to see something from you guys on Netflix. That would be fucking amazing. Uh, that would be amazing. Something for sure. You know, whether it's a feature film or for Netflix or anything, I mean, we're going to be doing stuff. He knows. I mean, there's a person who wants to hire a zombie movie now. There's a zombie movie in the, in the mix. There's a, several projects. I mean, but, you know, nothing is concrete in this business, my friend, until the money is actually in the bank. Isn't that yeah, right? Yeah. Um, we have um, uh, God, um, two projects for me that have come about because of this project is I'm doing a uh, feature film in July. Um, I can't really talk about, but I'm going to be doing that for about three and a half weeks, and then um, and then right after that in August, I have two shorts that I'm going to be wrapping up on. But then the big one that we want to finish, um, Tim Parrish and I, um, uh, the guy who plays Alan in yeah. our film uh have been working on a um a big project for a long long time called uh footsteps in the sand so that will probably be the next big release from um from my personal company mm -hmm. but um the uh an appropriation but uh that that's a whole nother ball of wax <laughs> yeah that's um i i think dude i think uh Alan Parrish, like I think he did a great job in this film. 
I was yeah. seriously impressed. Like I was impressed by the acting ability of most of the actors in this short. I was Thank like, you. damn, dude, this is a fan film? Are you kidding me? This is a passion project? Yeah. Like, most of the times when you see a passion project, it's a bunch of buddies that get together and shoot something on their, you know, uh, HD 240 yeah. cam or, you know. Like, that's what I would have shot. I would have shot something with my <coughs> outside of my apartment, you know what I mean? So, yeah, that's what a fan film for me would have looked like. No, I was we shot blown full, away. Full crew, um, full nights. Uh, it was the uh, Ari Alexa Mini was the mm -hmm. camera. Um, all of our uh, extracurricular footage was the Red Dragon. Um, and, uh, you know, we had so many series of DPs. Uh, Matt Sisko on sound, he did an amazing job. Absolutely. Um, of course, uh, Tracy, no. Uh, I did all the props for the film, but Tracy did the prosthetics. He, he made the mask, and um, he did an astounding job. And uh, everybody was on their A-game on this project. And, of course, uh, Christina Tomlinson, who was the production designer, and she did all the costumes for the film. So nice. she did the, uh, the hero costumes for Michael and as the mask, and she did a great job translating the stuff from the comics. Yeah. So. It was teamwork, so. man. Everybody knew what they were doing. All right. So this, like I said, a lot of these questions already have kind of been answered because you guys did a really good job of elaborating, um, which is good because I don't want to just be doing questions on it. Um, <clears throat> next question that I had is, um, what got you started in filmmaking? Um, Dylan kind of answered that with just the fact that you love movies and I mean, but if there's something that like really, this question is supposed to be like, when was the first time you remember going like, like seeing something and going, oh shit, like that, that is what I want to do. Like, that's what I want to do for a living. I want to, I want to make stuff. Like I want to make movies. Well, I was, I was in Africa watching a movie on, because we owned video stores. Mm -hmm. I watched a movie called Out of Africa in Africa. Yeah. Out of Africa? Remember the movie Af Out of Africa <laughs> with uh, Robert yeah. and Meryl Streep? Yeah. So I was watching that when I was in Africa. Mm -hmm. And I was blown away. I said, how the hell is this? How, how, this is Africa through the eyes of a lens that I've never seen before. Mm -hmm. And with the music of John Barry, who's passed away, he's one of my favorite composers. And I said to myself... I want that. Like, how do I get there? And um, I started watching a shitload of movies after that. So Empire Strikes Back was a big influence. The Raiders of the Lost Ark was a big influence. Jaws, uh, Alien, E.T. All these movies really screwed with my head. And I couldn't be the normal person that I was in school anymore. So you're a Spielberg fan. Well, one of, yeah, I'm one. I mean, I like, you know, Hitchcock. I got, I like David Lean. I mean, he did uh, Lawrence of Arabia and uh, Bridge Over the River Kwai and Dr. Zhivago. I mean, those are epics. So I like that stuff too. But um, as a kid, E.T. was a big influence. So was Jaws. Of course. Hey, I, I have to ask this because um, you mentioned Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So have you seen the adaptation then? The what? The adaptation? 
Raiders of the Lost Ark, the adaptation. Mm-mm. No. Oh my, my god. I, I can't believe I'm able to, to give this to you guys. I'm, <laughs> I'm super excited right now. Okay. okay. So there's a documentary on Netflix. Right. It's called Raiders. Mm-hmm. The story of the greatest fan film ever made. Okay. You've never heard of this? Uh-uh. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, man, my God. I've been track, man. I've been doing my research. Okay, oh so. Oh, my God. Raiders. All right. It's called Raiders, the story of the greatest fan film ever made. Uh-huh. It documents the story of a few childhood friends in the 1980s who decided in 1982, when they were, I think, 12 years old, Mm-hmm. That they were going to do a shot for shot remake of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Wow. Not only did they do it, they did it in spectacular form. No way. They shot the kids. It took them their entire teenage childhood from <laughs> like 11 to 19 years old. No way. They shot it scene for scene, almost exact. I'm talking camera angles. I'm talking dialogue. I'm talking the boulder rolling. I'm talking the plane blowing up. What? Listen, listen to me. These kids shot this film. Actually, I take that back. They shot this film minus the plane blowing up scene. Mm-hmm. Every other scene they shot. Right. They put it together on Betamax. Oh, wow. They put it together, and their one of their moms actually did like a premiere for them in 1989. That's awesome. Holy okay, shit. that reminds me of uh, oh God, that Spielberg film, um, Eight Millimeter. What was it? Uh, oh, you talking? Yeah, uh, it's not. It was a J.J. Abrams movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh yeah, yeah. Super Eight. Super Eight. Thank you. Super yeah. That was favorite. fantastic. I love Super Eight, man. I love Super Eight. Oh, it was great. Um, they so so these kids do this, and uh-huh. um, and basically that's it. They film it, they put it on a VHS, and they store it in their cabinet. And um, they never did that plane scene because it was just too big for a bunch of teenagers to shoot. It was like exploding airplanes, yeah. you know, and and stuff like that. And um, they. Someone discovers the tape in like 2002. Mm-hmm. One of the guy's college buddies made a copy of it because he thought it was hilarious. Showed it to like Eli Roth. Oh, wow. Oh, just wow. by chance. It ended up in a tiny, ridiculous film festival, like a 24 hour a thon film festival of ridiculous films. And the, the, the crowd was captivated. And so these, these, people in Hollywood got in contact with these kids who weren't kids anymore. They were middle-aged men (laughs) and uh, said, dude, what you have to put this thing out. You have to do something with this. And the guys decided to go and try to find funding to film that final scene, the airplane. And they did it. They did a GoFundMe. They pulled together the, the funds, um, got some outside help from, from producers that they begged for money. They right. made the plane scene at middle age. Wow. The greatest thing about this film is that they 
they, they change ages all throughout because just like a real film, they film it all out of order. Yeah. So in one so scene, they're 12. Yeah. The next one, they're 17. And the next one, they're 40. Oh, <laughs> but it's all the same actors. It's the greatest thing I've ever seen, dude. Like oh, I, wow. so I saw this documentary and I was like, I have to see the actual film. I have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I bought it. Like they have a website. It's called the Raiders Guys, and you go there and you order it. <laughs> it is a legit shot for shot remake on Betamax. It's the I'm greatest thing ever. Mouse House lets that happen. That's amazing, dude. Well, here's what happened. They um, obviously they caught the attention of George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. Uh huh. They loved what these kids did. It was so, oh, so dead this on. Was before that, then before the buyout. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So oh, yeah, so it was, I believe uh, that then. Yeah. Yeah, I think they like Spielberg and Lucas discovered it in like 2002. Jesus. Ish. Yeah, we um we've been That's very great. fortunate with uh I wouldn't say fortunate, lucky. Um, or unlucky, I don't know. With everything that we we had uh, we had happen in our thing, but um, like so, we were originally uh, sponsored by Dark Horse. We're hoping that we can be again, uh, but because of certain unforeseen circumstances that I just don't want to get into with people. Um, <laughs> basically, uh, we had a deal to originally have this premiere on Dark Horse's website. They were sponsoring it. It was an official film, and um, through those circumstances, we ended up losing them as our sponsor. And um, I don't know how much I can say. All I can say is that we now have um, sponsorship. I'm trying to say how this, well, Barry won't get mad at us. Let's just say people who produced the original film are now sponsoring us. Hence why the film has never been taken down. Um, okay. So and, that's, is uh, that, what is that? Uh, I, you don't have to say it, but I would say what it, it's universal. Is that you got something from universal? No, wrong, wrong studio. Yeah. Wrong studio. Wrong studio. I thought it starts with a W. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. We, we won't even do it then. Uh, well, anyways, um, Everybody knows the original studio was was New Line Cinema that produced them, but New Line was bought out years ago yeah. um, by uh, another big big studio, and uh, so they are kind of our um, protectors now. Um, but uh, it's very complicated because um, basically we we have permission, um, and we have to still say it's a fan film, but we can't just come out and say, by the way, um, this is a uh, Warner Brothers project now. Um, so basically, um, you know, the good that this has done has outweighed the bad for them. You know, uh, Dark Horse is still releasing their omnibus because now they have such a huge influx of people asking to buy the mass comic books just yeah. from the trailer alone. Yeah. Uh, that was even before Rise came out. They were getting ready to release their Omnibus again for the first time in 13 years. Um, and it looks like Warner is going to buy, uh, rebuy the uh, um, the actual license to do another mass project. So, yeah. um, which means that we may be dealing with them more in the future. So, <laughs> hey. 
that but, that's um, the goal here, man. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah, that that would be really awesome. We're we're still planning on our own thing, but if they ever said, "Hey, you guys want to come in and be a part of this?" I I don't think we could say no. No. Or that would just yeah. Be I think um I I think it'd be natural. <laughs> um, I I think that's what most regular people like me would hope for is that they would get the people who repopularized um created a a a renewed interest in the comic book and in the film well when we get on when we first started all this you know that was the first thing i i with me and lance me and lance were me and lance and christina were pretty much the only people not making money on this you know everybody was paid something um but uh we uh, we all went into this knowing that it was never going to be something we were going to make money on because of what it is. Right. But I told him, you know, there's three scenarios, and this uh, is that uh, somehow we got stopped, which didn't happen, so that was great. Um, number two is that uh, the same thing that happened to, and that, like I said, I've done my research with pretty much every major fan film that has come out in the last ten to fifteen years. Um, uh, from Sandy Clawley to uh, uh, God, Al Shanken, what is his name? Um, he does this thing called the Bootleg Universe, and about uh, seven years ago now, uh, six years ago, there was this Power Rangers fan film that came out. Um, basically, that was a joke. The joke being that it's a dark, gritty reboot of Power Rangers. And and are you talking about? You're not talking about the like the joke one, right? Where they like, it's really gory and stuff. Oh they... yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, weirdly enough, um, because of the viewership that that got, regardless right. of them trying to shut it down, I mean, they hardcore. I think it was taken down from the internet six times. It's still up there, um, but because of the renewed interest in the franchise, that film and the studios admitted it was the reason why it got rebooted. And ultimately, regardless of how well the Power Rangers reboot did, it is because of that fan film at the end uh, of the yeah, day. It, it got and, made. It did yeah, that Yeah, it got well. made. And yeah. um, so I told him the best case scenario is that we, you know, we reboot a dead franchise. Right. And, you know, in one way or another, but I highly doubt we'll be a part of it. But just to say that, hey, we're personally responsible for rebooting a dead franchise, it was good enough for me. Yeah. So it looks oh, like yeah. that's got, definitely going to be the like case. You're going to have enough of, I'm sure you've gotten a lot of positive feedback that, if nothing else, fuels you. Just that alone. Like, if, if it went nowhere, you know, uh, any bigger than it already has, I'm sure it'd be like, that's rewarding in itself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't, it's like, I understand that, like, uh, kind of talking down, like, you don't want to be too hopeful of something that might happen or whatever. And He's just, the hopeful one. I'm the, uh, what's yeah. cautiously optimistic. Right, right, right. right, right. You're the <laughs> yeah. dreamer. <laughs> it's really backwards, considering. Lance is the dreamer here. Yeah. <laughs> you're supposed to be the producer, right? And you're supposed to be the director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the dreamer. He's the producer. Right. Right. 
I'm the realistic one. <laughs> yeah. But hey, but I get shit done. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um. One second. I'm gonna take a bathroom break. Anybody oh, take a bathroom break? I'm gonna come back, ask these few questions, and like I said, we can stay on as long as you want. But I have to go to the bathroom real quick. You no problem. I'll take a break too. Yeah, I'm gonna go use the bathroom. I'll be right back. All right. Oh. Okay, I am back. <sighs> hey, um, do you have a time where the three of us are meeting tomorrow? Uh, not yet. Basically, it's just. I guess whenever we arise, I got to keep uh, cleaning out the office. Oh, he's back. Yo. All right. I'm back. Lance, I can see your face now, man. Hey. Awesome. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll get into the questions then because mm -hmm. I've got a couple more here. Um, obviously, you, you kind of answered this, at least Dylan did. Um, are either of you... Or were you already really big comic book fans in general? Or was it just this particular character that interested you? And, and like, if so, what comic books were you ever into? Like, what were your biggest? I'm a collector. I have, I, in my basement, I have the original Catwoman. I have a lot. I mean, I have a lot of comic books. And I've been, ever since I was a kid, I was a comic book nerd. But I cannot say that I was a big fan of the mask. Okay. I was more Batman, Superman, you know, the whole mm -hmm. comic books, even Archie. 
as mm-hmm. um, but not really the mask. So that's why I would say, say that Dylan size is the mask fanatic. I'm just the, right. you know, I started brushing up on it after, uh, and he gave me a couple of comic books, and I started reading on my own after. The I gave you all my comic books, which I want back eventually. Of course. <laughs> Um, I, uh, God, I'm a casual comic book fan. Um, you know, love a movie me, but, uh, I don't know. I've never been able to like, it's weird. I, I can read an entire book, you know, like, uh, any Stephen King book or whatever, but just, I've never had much patience for comic books. I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's OCD or something really backwards OCD. Um, but, uh, you know, I loved Marvel comic books and I've grown to love them more later in life, but no, um, I particularly, I became a fan of the mass comics after I saw the ninth fourth because, you know, there was the TV series, whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call it. Um, but I'm like, there has to be something more than this. And so I did my research, you know, which the internet wasn't really a thing yet, but I went to my local library and found the first couple of mass comic books that I could find. And then I went out and bought as many as I could find. And then I lost my whole series of them at some point and rebought them all later in life. So this, um, that, that's the one where the, the detective is wearing the mask is that which one is that the series is that the original series where the detective oh, it, comes it goes on the mask? for a long time um there was a lot of i wouldn't call them reboots of the comics but mm-hmm. um they went through generations the the very first one was called look who's laughing now mm-hmm. um and uh that was uh that was actually a story of stanley ipkiss Oh, okay. So the first the first comic book did follow Stanley Ipkiss, but he, he didn't last very long. He um, and then from there on, it was pretty much just handed down from person to person to person. Lieutenant right. Calloway, there's a ton of other characters. Walter, which is a big character in the comic. Um, but ultimately, um, it was never something that stayed out with one person for very long. Okay, I, I actually see. I would have. I would have guessed that backwards. I would have guessed that you were really into comics, and Lance was less into comics, but more into making this film. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yes, yes. But it's kind of reverse. You're more into movies, and Lance was really into comics at one point. Um, I was always into movies, but I was also a comic book nerd. It was like yeah. yeah. I feel like, yeah, I, like, uh, to me, they always went hand in hand. Like, I, I was a movie person first. Obviously, as a little kid, I was really into movies. Um, that's what I did. Like, my, my parents' VHS recorded ridiculous amounts of uh, HBO films and and pirated uh, pay-per-view films. And that's what I watched growing up, just over and over and over. Yeah. And... Um, then eventually it grew into like in, in the early 90s the the, the x-men comic or the x-men cartoon came out oh yeah yeah and, and then it was like oh shit this is they make books of this and then it took off from there like for me for comic books 
So. Oh yeah. Um. All right, getting in specifically to the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you've already kind of answered this. Uh, whose idea was this, and how long was it a dream project? I'm guessing. Um, uh, Dylan ha- had been involved with the mask for a very long time, and already a fan of the comics. So you did kind of already answer that one. If you want to yeah. elaborate, you can. If not, not so. um, I'll just give an abrasive version. Uh, so me and uh, me and one of my best friends, Kyle Parker. Um, after I wrapped on Son of the Mask, I was, you know, just getting into middle school, and that's when I met Kyle, and um, he was an actor, and uh, we made, you know, a bunch of random films together, and the first thing we did was a crappy um, fan film of The Mask, and uh, so we were like, yeah, we can't do this no matter how good at special effects I was or how good I could make Kyle look, there was just no filming technique behind it. And we just kind of gave up. <laughs> and, uh, but we kept, we kept writing stuff. We kept writing different, um, different stories and whatever all throughout the years. And, uh, ultimately what we came down to was, um, that we wanted to do an old school mobster type story. um, no musicals. <laughs> that was that was Kyle's because uh, every every version of the script I try to write a musical number in there somewhere because I love that from the original film. And yeah. at some point he put his foot down, and uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, they do it a lot in the comic too. But yeah. uh, so after uh, we finally agreed on a uh, a version, um, the first draft of the original script. Um, was pretty much all but finished and then uh after that uh lance and athena did their uh their basically um their takes on it and then after all three of us four of us agreed on a final draft i think i think we didn't agree on a final final draft until like three weeks before filming i agree yeah, yeah. something like that so so and that that kind of goes into my next question of who wrote the script so did you initially, Dylan? Um, yeah, was the it- story was by me. The main mm-hmm. writers was me and Kyle, and then Lance and Athena did all of the uh, abbreviated rewrites. So basically, like dialogue rewrites and stuff like that. So anything to kind of flesh the characters out more. So the story basically was yours, and then it was hashed out and elaborated upon by yeah. several yeah. different people. Pretty much. Yeah. I'm I'm really good at coming up with stories. Um, Kyle is great at giving characters souls, mm-hmm. which you know, um, which is why we would work together well as you know writing partners. And then uh, Athena and uh, Lance really wanted to kind of give it their spin on the dialogue uh, between certain characters. And uh, I think between all of us, we finally made a really cohesive script. Yeah. I get awesome. hired all the time to write scripts, so this was uh, this was an easy pass through. So we polished it, basically made it look. And then sometimes on set, also we play with dialogue. Yeah, there was a lot of improvising on set. Um, very rarely for Michael, actually, um, he stayed pretty on script. Mm-hmm. Um. 
So how was this thing cast? Like, was this just actors you already knew? Was this friends of yours yeah. that were in the business? The main yes, no, and yes. <laughs> the main characters, Dylan knows, like Michael Bugard and Tim Parrish. And mm-hmm. obviously, we both knew uh, Amar Nemo and his friend, obviously, is Kyle. The other guys came from a local casting agent, you know, like the extras and mm-hmm. some people I knew, like Zach Kurtz and Marco Polo. So it was a consortium of both Dylan and I and a, a, a tiny casting agent. So, yeah, that's basically. But, mm-hmm. but no one was casted until we all agreed upon each person. Yeah. And some people required specific parameters. Um, I think the hardest person to cast was um, the main villain, McLaurin. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he he was almost the last person to be casted. Ultimately, ended up with Gary Berner because I worked with him on um, on the, another film that I had met Michael Bugard on uh, called uh, Oh God, they're gonna slap me for it. <laughs> um, the Russian Sleep Experiment, which is another film that did quite well. Um, but uh, we all met on that project, and Gary has just a amazingly stoic voice mm-hmm. or is that the word for it? I don't know how to explain his voice but it sounds like I think it's a raspy type of a voice yeah he has this raspy um, intimidating voice and he did a brilliant job in that film and I just thought if anybody could sound intimidating against the mask I guess it would be him yeah I- but uh, ultimately it was um I think uh, after it was what I, he was cast about three weeks before filming. Mm-hmm. And then you met with him and Michael at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I started rehearsals like maybe three weeks before, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you actually, were there really auditions for it? Or was it kind of like you brought someone in? You brought, no, no, you know. No, there was no auditions because mm-hmm. we didn't have time. Mm-hmm. And it was like Dylan's, Dylan's people that he's worked with for and my people that have worked before and we trusted and that that was pretty much it so you just kind of you trusted each other and then kind of met 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 people and were like okay yeah he he seems like yep i mean i didn't give anybody a permanent yes until lance sat down with them and actually did some like you know some kind of so i guess that's the closest thing to an audition right it's lance sitting down and vetting them you know director to actor yes after he gave the thumbs up is pretty much how they got the role Right. Cool. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, do you want to reveal this? I don't know. You you didn't reveal it in the behind the scenes or anything, but um, what was the budget for the film? How much did it cost overall? Like out of oh. your pockets? Since <laughs> uh, we might as well just say it. All right. So, um, the total budget overall is close to. And this is, I don't know exactly what Lance has uh, put in is at this point, but uh, my guess is it's somewhere close to 80-something thousand. Um, the original budget was only supposed to be 50, but okay. with the addition of uh, Rise and then the reshoots, the premiere, mm-hmm. post-production, it, uh, it shot up quite a bit. Yes, it did. Yep. Well, what was that uh, premiere like? Oh, it was a lot of fun. Um, and Lance is doing another one here soon, too. Mm-hmm. You're doing another premiere for this? Yeah. You're doing another showing for this? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yep. awesome. Now we, um, 
totally, di totally different clientele and totally different city. Um, you're more than invited to come. Yeah. yeah. Did, any idea when do you, you have it all planned out yet? End of January, probably. Okay. Yeah, we um, the original premiere was more meant for the actors and a lot of our closer friends and um, a few industry people and whatnot. And we invited local people, but it was we didn't start really advertising for it for like the week before. Mm -hmm. um, I've I, been to some premiere horror stories yeah. personally, and I've seen what can happen if you have a premiere before something's finished. So I didn't want us to even green light a premiere until we knew we had a final product. Yeah. Plus, I have a public relations company that is on a retainer, and they're going to organize it for me. And this is basically just, mm -hmm. you know, for Dylan to sit back, you know, and just relax and watch it for, on a different, a different, you know, not like inviting friends and fans. Just like public, the public is going to come in, and we're going to do it the right way with news. Probably there's going to be news people. Yeah, I'll, I'll let him handle that one because I. Yeah. I I was damn near dead by the time we did the premiere, because we were doing tightening up all the way to the last minute. Right. Because uh, the premiere was the exact same night as the premiere, the launch for YouTube. Mm -hmm. And so I had to That's edit. Work, yeah, yeah, we had to edit a completely different version for the premiere because mm -hmm. we actually just slapped in Rise into right. the movie, so it was just one long film. Uh, yeah. And then we had to export a completely different version for YouTube. That so you showed it. You showed it with Rise at, at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. We did. Okay, that's cool. Is that? Do you plan on doing it that way uh, too? Yes, no, it's yeah. exactly the same thing. Exactly. Same way, but different venue. Yeah. 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 I'm, keep, I'm after reposted. I'd love. I'd love to come to something like that. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're more than welcome. You're more than please, please join us. We would love to meet you personally. So this is a. A way for you to come in. Um, it's funny. Um, earlier mentioned uh, other fan films too. We had a uh, a random, very random special guest. Um, someone who did a fan film called Revenge of the Mask back in like two thousand and six. Oh my god, that's one of my questions on here. Dude. <laughs> so yeah, go ahead, elaborate. Uh, go what's ahead. what's the question? What's the question? Um, I literally said, "What do you?" What do you think of the other mask fan film on YouTube? And so do you the, have the anything Jason to Kirby say about that? Yeah. Okay, so me and Jason are really good friends. Um, uh, he he reached out to us, um, God, I want to say almost five months ago. And I knew of his film from before, and I watched his original fan film, Revenge of the Mask, which, by the way, has. I did not steal the name, and I'm sure Jason would go, uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I never made that connection until, because uh, we were actually never going to call it Revenge of the Mask. It was always just called Revenge. Mm -hmm. uh, right. If you look at our behind the scenes, even on our uh, clappers, it all said Revenge. Right. Um, I, I think it was a good move to include the mask in the title. Yeah. And then it was actually not until one day he sends me a message that said, so, yeah, I just saw the, the poster. I love the name. And then he sent me the link to the mm. thing just screwing with me. Um, I Jason's film is two hours long yeah. and is, is an epic. But, you know, he didn't have the same resources or material 
um, that we had, and I don't not like it, but it is so long. It, it, so it was a more it was a more long. typical um, fan film. Yeah, that's why and, I said like in comparison, that's kind of what I thought is like that looked like a fan film, and yours <laughs> looked more like a feature film. It looked more like something you would see. Oh, no, no, it's totally. It's like I saw it. I saw some of it. I couldn't watch all of it, but yeah, it's totally. Totally different from what we uh, what we we, uh, we actually premiered his trailer there. At, not premiered because it, it, we we did the <laughs> that was in the audience. Good. Lance just screamed out of nowhere because I forgot to mention that he was there or that the trailer was about to premiere. So I'm like, here's Revenge of the Mask, and then oh my God. his trailer, and everyone in the audience is like, what? What the hell is this? Shit? Oh my God! It's happening, and um. But no, Jason is is an awesome sport. He just wanted to make a movie. He didn't care about the visual outcome. He just wanted to make his story. And he's a huge nerd of, you know, the mask as well. And so I think that's why we connected because it's, um, uh, we have a lot in common. Uh, two nerds uh, wasting, you know, a year of their life to make something insane. <laughs> he just spent a hell of a lot more time on it than I did. Um, yeah. But uh, we just, we took a more, um, you know, we didn't want to do a two hour long movie. No you know? way. And we, we compressed all the resources that would have gone into something that insane and did something that was less than 30 minutes. Yeah. It, it, that was one thing that I, that I really liked about it. Like looking at it, I was like, it, the way it was written and the way it was filmed, it didn't seem like I was disappointed when mm -hmm. I saw that it was going to be 35 minutes runtime. Mm -hmm. And then I watched it, and it didn't feel like I was shortchanged. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Once I got on watching, I was like, I'm completely satisfied with, with that runtime. But when I first looked at it, I'm like, oh, a short film. Because from the trailer, it didn't look like it was going to be a short film. Yeah. Like, it didn't say, like, upcoming fan short film. You know what I mean? Um it just looked like it was going to be a feature film. I thought it was going to be an hour and a half or at least an hour, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I saw that it was 35. I'm like, this can't be the actual film. And I clicked on it, watched it. And then I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm good with that. Like that's, it might've been, it might have been less satisfying had it been an hour and 20 minutes. Right. It, it, it probably would have, um, you know, and that's another thing I've learned with the internet um, the internet can be unforgiving because people say they want something, but it usually turns out that it's not the case. Um, and every time I've seen a, a film get released on YouTube that's above half an hour, 45 minutes, none of them make it past the 10,000 mark, not even remotely close. Plus the attention span of people nowadays is not. Yeah. Yeah. But we knew that if we went any longer than what we did, and we knew that the story was solid, and that it was a three-act story, and that's what was important. Yeah. And the you know the credits is is as much a part of the movie as the rest of the movie is. So even yeah. when it ends, it doesn't end, you know, because there's so much world building just within the credits on its own. Right. It it takes up that full thirty-five minutes. Like it it's yeah. not it's not thirty minutes and then five minutes of credits. It's definitely like to right. the very end you're watching the film so yeah mm -hmm. and there's a lot of payoffs in the in those credits as well oh yeah go ahead Eva. 
Cool. All right. Um, let me let me get here. There might be. Okay. I have two more questions that I had written down here. All right. Um, and this is just kind of a, a chance to put out there anything that you want people to know about that mm -hmm. projects you're working on or things like that. So what other projects besides Revenge of the Mask have you already worked on that you'd like to talk about? And where can we find those, like those things you've worked on? Where can people go and, and check out what you've done before this? Um, well, I just wrapped on a film uh, called Warrior Pride, which is premiering on... Uh... Uh, not premiering, it's being released on Amazon right now. That's a feature film. Um, and uh, Footsteps in the Sand is going to be released. Um, <clears throat> it's going to be released in, we're hoping, um, late April. So those are two big projects. And uh, uh, I think those are the two I'd most like to plug right now. That's about it. Um, Lance, um, Lance told me that that you do a lot of like music video um, production stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Is there anything like that 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 people would know of or should? Oh look yeah, um, anything with Drew Jacob. Um, he's one of my favorite people to work with. Um, I do a lot of their lighting and uh, um, equipment rentals and stuff and. Um, I'm proud of a lot of the videos. Uh, uh, the DP on that, he's he's great. And uh, but uh, if you check him out, he's got good music. Drew Jacobs. Um, Drew Jacobs. Yeah. What Lance. about you, Lance? Oh, um, you can find some of my movies on iTunes, um, like Restitution, Fractured. Jeez, um, I can't even remember. There's, there's several of them. Uh, if you go to IMDb, I can't even think right now. Sorry. <clears throat> but they're all on iTunes. If you look at Lance. Oh, uh, Golden Shoes. It's a soccer movie for kids. Uh, it's all right. Um, after this, we'll um, we'll hook up and I'll get all the links and stuff from you guys. And we'll just throw them in the, throw them in the uh, description box and stuff. We'll have links to like all your movies, all your productions, anything that you've worked on. If you, if you go on... Um, uh, my company, bijusin.com. You'll see all the posters of everything I've done, and then it tells you where they are, what I'm doing, what I've done. Basically, it's everything that I've done. And it, it, even, it even has the trailer and the film of Re uh, Rise and uh, the Revenge and everything. It's already updated, so mm -hmm. everybody can see Lance, anything. Yeah. Are, are you a Batman fan? Yes. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Just... <laughs> it's just the camera. It's just the camera. You've got um. There you go. <laughs> For like thirty minutes, I've gotten the Batman view. Just just the nose down. Oh yeah. How about now? It's all right. We got all the we got all the. You know, audience. I think it's I think it's the angle that you have the squares in. Right now, I have like a three square thing, and oh. I see his full head. You see his full head? Yeah. 
I see that's his whole weird from because, his body oh, down up. Okay. Yeah. That's crazy because, like, I see my full head, I see your full head, and I see his half head. <laughs> yeah. Weird. All right. Probably just how you have it organized because he has his camera long ways right now. Oh, okay. That's what it is. So I should yeah. have it sideways? That's what it is. See, I don't think you can do that now, though, Lance. If you do that, no, it's you can't up. do it after you start. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. See, I'm the dumbass. It's all right. That's all right. All right um, so, what's that last question? Last question, man. Um, what what's next for you guys? Like, what do you oh. already have in the works, and what do you? What's maybe like a dream project that you really want to work on? Something that you really want to do. So we're, we're, we're really mulling over because we, um, the, uh, I don't know how much we should say right now. So, so there, there is a script in the works. It looks like we're probably going to move on with doing a part two. Okay. Um, and, uh, basically I don't want to give anything away, but, um, you know, we, we had a music video that we just released with twin chord. And that kind of has a tease as to the direction that we're going in. I think everyone's just about gone um, that we're we're going in the direction of uh, the uh, Hunt for Green October, right. uh, which is a is a big comic book line. But I'm not going to say how or why or when. Right. But um, what I can tell you though is, if we do do it, um, we probably won't have anything major releasing until uh, the middle of. Uh, either next year or early 2020 but there will be stuff in between is okay best i can say okay so, so look forward to more, more mask stuff yes yes okay anything else from you personally like outside of the mask that that people like that you maybe have always wanted to do or you're planning to do anything like that I really wanted to do, because um, I, I don't want to be stuck being the guy known for doing uh, fan films, but mm -hmm. uh, there's a story related to Jumanji I've always wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, that would be cool. But uh, <sighs> but uh, that, and um, we have a, I have a big project that I'm um, just wrapping up shooting right now called Appropriation as a DP. And uh, uh, trailer, we, we did the teaser there at the uh, premiere as well. But um, I can't wait for that to be released. It's one of the most involved things I've ever done as a DP, so that'd be cool to see. And it's, so, it's called what again? Appropriation. Appropriation. It's, a, it's essentially a, a story of paranoia. Mm -hmm. And uh, these three people that bunk up in a house together in Michigan, and um, there is an alleged killer on the loose. And basically, everything that happens around them may or may not be in their heads, essentially. And it's just, it was really, really cool film to do. The location was great. And uh, uh, Ethan Cancula, uh, who makes an appearance uh, for a split second in the end credits as the, uh, uh, or you can see him in the, uh, oh God, the uh, vegan challenge uh sighting big head sightings uh he's the uh he's the lead actor in that uh, and the director um but uh 
but it's a it's a very unique story, so I can't wait for that to be finished. But uh, the uh, the teaser will be it for out for that pretty soon, and we'll have it connected into a uh, way you could see it uh, through probably our alternate channel because we're um, we're re-uploading all of our extra content onto a separate channel. So pretty much um, anything like uh, the big head challenges, the um, behind the scenes behind the scenes and any other promotional stuff that we're going to do. Um, not trailers. Trailers will be able to go up on the main channel, but everything else will be on a new channel that we'll have up by tomorrow. Awesome. Lance? Oh, I'm on contract for several feature films, so um, LA stuff uh, with big producers. I have the one, I have a producer who did uh, Ocean's 8 and I were negotiating for a feature film called USA Motel. I have one called The Violinist with the producer of Mudbound, which was up for four Academy Awards to direct that one. And it's, you know, it's, I'll still work with Dylan, obviously, on the mask stuff. And we have several smaller projects together, like the zombie movie and uh, um, the Netflix thing, the Netflix stuff. But I'll also be doing my other, I mean, because I come from the feature film world and I'll be doing that too. So I have, I'm okay right now. We'll see where it goes. Ask me this question, end of 2019. We'll see where we're at. But, <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, I'm very happy. With All right. The things I, mm -hmm. Well, look, man, that was, that was the end of my questions. And I'm more than thrilled that you spent, like, this long with me. I'm so glad. Like, thank you guys so much for... Uh, no problem. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you so I, much. Uh, I wish you guys the best of luck. I hope that you get that Netflix deal. I hope that it turns into something. And um, I hope to see more stuff from you. I so hope to see more of the mask. Oh, oh we will. We'll be working again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, I'll stay in touch with you guys. Hopefully, I can hit up that premiere. Yes. That you're doing yeah. dance. And um, you're, you're invited on the internet. And so the whole world can know. Please come. All right, man. All right. Thanks, guys. Stay in All touch, right. man. Thank you, man. All right. Bye. Bye.